My name is Bob Kujabi, and on today's podcast, we find out that Ariel thinks Adnan did it. That's not what I think. <laughs> I know. Jay did it. Yeah, Jay did it? Totally. Adnan might have been involved. I was trying to, trying to throw Adnan in the bus. Well, I okay. think he might have been involved. Oh, okay. Right, okay. Oh, no, oh, I'm sorry. We're, we're definitely I meant to say Leaving this. the Blind. Okay. We're definitely going to keep this. Hi, everyone. My name is Bob Kujabi, and I appear today on Leaving the Blind, hosted by Ariel Norman. And in today's episode, uh, I mislead her on how to succeed in her career. So give it a listen. Oh man, are you saying all this is fake advice? Fake news. Fake news. Intro. I okay. can't remember if I accomplished anything with the elaborate thing <laughs> I just did with the plug. I was getting it out of my way. I think it worked. I can okay. see you better. Thanks. I'm just trying to have some space. But we're connected now. We have a table. We're, we're literally connected. Uh, by electronics. I, by electronics. But I guess in that sense, we're literally connected all the time. Yeah, that's true. I guess we... I, just we, as much as we are now. Unless you like threw your phone into the ocean. Not even that dramatic. Well, I just, just mean in a puddle. electric waves. I don't know science, so let's stop <laughs> talking Before about it. We make ourselves like, what is the word? Uh, yeah, I don't remember. Look stupid. Yeah. That, yeah oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a way more complicated <laughs> word. I lost in the middle of that. I'm embarrassed. Um, so I remember when I was like thirteen, really into Pokemon. There for a minute still. Um, I was. I had this beloved little toy Pikachu that had these little two metal rings on his feet and it just was crazy like so if you you had to press the two of them and then he would go Pikachu but if you touched one and then you held someone's hand and then they touched one it would work oh weird but like you can't just be two people doing it the electric current had to go yeah, through squeeze the feet together no it was just like you little just had to touch them? little ends of something like uh. an end of a battery sort of thing Anyway, that fascinated me. Is if I'm if I'm if I had had like a good science teacher ever at any point in my schooling, I think I would have been into it. You would have gone down the science route. I wouldn't be talking. We talking to like physicist Ariel Norman. Yeah, it would be rocket would scientist. Be a different podcast. Um, probably make more money. Yeah. Well, it'd probably be just as interesting. Like, let me tell you about what I've been working on. You guys don't even know. Yeah. JPL Lab info. Um, I was trying to think of an example of like a cool thing that I could be doing science wise and <laughs> nothing came to mind oh, other sorry. than like curing diseases, but that's kind of boring. Yeah. I feel like it is. That's boring science. Yeah. I'm, with you. Just I mean, kind I'm, of, I'm thankful for those people. You're, you're working on cancer. Don't you just every day you're like, this is so cliche that I'm working on cancer. Totally. When every day when I'm working on cancer, I'm just like, this is just, it's just so run of the mill. Like everyone of, thinks about working on cancer. You wouldn't believe how many coffee breaks I take while working on cancer. Couldn't <laughs> I, which both cures and causes cancer. I don't know if this is tone deaf. Like, are there listeners that are going to take offense to our People with cancer attitude? tend to have good senses of humor, I find. Oh, fair enough. You know, that's I want to agree that that's true. Um, you know, because that's like the universe telling you, hey, 
have a sense of humor. <laughs> I'll stop. <laughs> hey, look at what Tig did. Okay. All right. Um, all right. All right. Well, we have a limited amount of time, so instead of okay. attempting to continue witty science banter, I'm going to have to jump right in because I really want to know a lot of things about your life. Okay. Bob Kostravi. Ariel um, Norman. Boy Wonder. How old are you? <laughs> How old am I? 36. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just Is realized that, that was. I just realized it was okay. yet another thing I didn't know about you. So. Oh, okay. Um, oh man, I could have made up any number, and you would have been like, "I guess that's true." If it had been reasonable. Oh yeah. Well, I'm actually 19. I pretend to be 36. Nope. Nope. You're gonna. Deny I would have believed. <laughs> you want to see my ID? 36 Listen, is actually fault. the only number I would have believed. This, this is what desert people look like at 19. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I really like your Coke shirt, by the way. I've never Thanks. seen quite that color scheme. It's I, really nice. I'm not gonna lie. I saw it at a Target of all places, and I was like, I agree exactly that. I was. St- it's Those children did a nice job, right? Those children somewhere mm-hmm. it's a good color scheme i would you know it's like st- stone washed or something it's it really was about the color of the shirt i didn't care that it said Coca-Cola. it's a good fit thanks okay. uh how long have you been doing comedy um 12 years in that and i think 12 years 2000 and i think wait it might be longer 2000 and three maybe 14 14? years oh so you're at that place where you can't even remember yeah uh, i'm at that place you know what it's always been ambiguous but not as a i'm not trying to be like um what's the word uh vague cagey yeah vague vague or cagey about it it was one of those things that I, when i started i just was doing it for me because it was something i loved so mm-hmm. it wasn't like a thing where i put a flag down and went this I'm is a momentous a time yeah. period in my life and i need oh. to remember so there's a there's like a vague like oh yeah it was sometime around when i was uh 22 23 23 yeah math is so all 13 fucking. years okay i don't know 12 to 14 years yes and somewhere in there did you start in dallas i did this is weird is this a job interview Yes. I, I, we did this before. Remember the podcast? Have you never listened to the podcast? I know, Bleeding but here's the thing. That was a long time ago. Okay, so for <laughs> And the you had to run out. And so I had to run year. out like halfway through. And I think, so for the listeners, we did record back in the Jared days. We did record an episode with you. Um, I had to leave halfway through. And I feel like we just spent the first 40 minutes talking about, because Trump had been elected like the yeah, day before. It was literally the day after the election. So, I don't know if I learned anything. one day after the day of the election. It, it was something within, it was within yeah. 48 hours of Trump being elected. Fierce grieving period. Right. And, and we, so, uh, I don't know if I learned anything about you. Really. Uh, yeah, I'm usually good at uh, avoiding. And even if I had learned those things, the listeners haven't. Oh, fair. So, this is for them. This not is for real me. personal now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And. Well, um, I should have known that. I mean, no, I haven't listened to the podcast. I want to. It's one of those things I'm subscribed, but I don't actually listen to podcasts. I'm real bad about putting the time in. Okay. So, I assumed that this was a beautiful podcast where you took blind people on tours uh i hope one day that that will happen um I <laughs> you tour. were so amused this is what i love about hanging out with you, you i once very... opened for a blind comic in in wait was it houston or dallas oh it was houston really uh-huh. what was the name of the comic i don't remember oh okay i'm sorry, I'm sorry. there's a black guy who was like pretty large and he was like 85 percent blind Oh, was he like a, was he a Houston dude? Did, yes. Okay, or wherever, was it, I, I assume it's Houston because I think I would know him if he was in Dallas, but that is possible I that it don't. he's from Houston. His okay. opener, his other, like his opener opener was um, from Vancouver, but I think that's just because they had just met. I think the guy, I think the guy is a Houston comic. Okay. So I feel bad for, we'll just uh, edit this in later with 
Um, just two days later, you're going to come in and be like, name, I think his name was. Like with a robot voice. Yeah. Uh, so you started in Dallas when you were a young lad in the early aughts. Yes. And um, God, that seems like it was would have been awful. How was that? Uh, it was actually great. Oh, good. I mean, I don't, I don't, what, what was your definition of awful? I didn't know anything different. So. Right. How, well, so what, uh, what mics were there? So when I started in Dallas, there was a lot of mics. <clears throat> okay. It was very similar to how Austin is now. It was, hmm. it was pretty hot. Yeah, wherever city I go, the comedy scene explodes. That's I'm the control. Okay. Uh, I've noticed so mm-hmm. far. Please don't leave then. <laughs> yeah, no. I, yeah, I'm, I, yeah, I'm going actually. I'm leaving for New York in two months. So good luck to Austin. After Are I you really? No. Oh, thank God. Just want to put that out there. Okay. So if I do, people will be like, well, he said he was going. No. Um, no. I, when I started in Dallas, it was it a... Was, uh, it was a pretty decent time to start. We had the Backdoor Comedy Club, and then there were these sporadic open mics around town. Okay. And then the comedy scene ex- almost exploded within the first year and a half that I was a part of it in hmm. Dallas. So we had two or three open mics every single night of the week. Okay. All over the Metroplex. You could get up at one point. When I left, you could get up four times a night if you really wanted to. Okay. And then we, of course, had the Backdoor, which was our local showcase show. So once you got the pass there... Uh, but that, that place is all clean, right? Yeah, it's all clean. How clean are they talking? They're talking very clean. Like PG or G or what? PG. Okay. So, so you, you can get away with saying like a couple of... Uh, you can say damn. Risque. Yeah, you can say damn. Can you say shit? You can get away with shit, I think. Ass? Uh, depends on how you're using ass. Like if you said he was acting like an ass, that'd be fine. But if you were like, I was checking out this girl's ass, they would Hold. pull you aside and go, yeah, don't do that bit again. I see. Um, okay. Um, could I talk about tampons? No. Hmm? Well, that sounds sexist to me. I don't know. It's bodily functions of what all sorts. You can't talk about pee? Uh, no. What? I mean, it depends. Pee is on, PG. It depends on what you're talking about, about, about pee. Like, I had a bit mm-hmm. about, I was in the bathroom peeing, and then, but then you would still get, I mean, like, you have to understand that the ladies who run that room are great. They're both... Uh, one of them was an absurdist. One of them is a uh, observationalist, and mm-hmm. then and it was actually like it was a good thing. I'm I'm not. It was honestly it a writing discipline of sorts of like yeah. Th- yeah there's no reason for you to say that line. Yeah. Um, I might be over exaggerating it because you know my memory of it was my first couple of years, so we were very hyper vigilant. You wanted to you wanted to not get uh, banned Talk from to and banned. And yeah, stuff, yeah, exactly. So gotcha. Yeah, I'm trying to think if I have any jokes. I have. Oh, yeah, I can think totally of could. one. Like that comes to mind, that would be okay. I'm pretty certain you could, because I've seen your set. Um, aside from the the cringe-tacular stuff, which is amazing, <laughs> can I say we talked about this last week, and I don't think we really got into it. I cannot. It, it is like there's a part of me that genuinely is what's the word? Uh, like impressed slash disgusted. No, not disgust. It's on. It's it's its own skill set to be able to get an audience to just go with you and be like, "I'm going to push some buttons," and yet oh. nobody is. Like that was the thing. <laughs> yeah, anyway, we can talk about that later. It was. It's well, it's a skill set that I don't find a have. compliment me on the. Uh, no, but I feel like uh, I. That's the only things that I want to talk about so much at the right. time is things that are really controversial. Well, gross or controversial. Um, you kind of want to experiment on that fringe of like the reality, the truth of how people really live, but don't want to talk about exactly i like talking about the stuff that we don't talk about right. that's that's my favorite thing also <clears throat> it's hard to for me like there are political things i'd like to talk about i'd like to talk about economics and moral philosophy and things but 
you have to have the right education level in an audience to talk about that stuff. And I don't often have that education level to work with in an audience. And so it's hard to, for me to get to work on that stuff. Um, I think if I were back in Boston for a while, I could work on that kind of stuff. Really? You think the Boston audiences are are Cambridge? Oh, okay. Comedy so studio. So very specific and, area. Where, uh, like well, right around but the actually, yes. Generally, when people think of Boston, they're thinking, you know, they're thinking of Boston Southie people. But yeah. if you're going around in the comedy stuff, there's only a few of the clubs that are like that. But most of the, even just at mics and things, you're talking, you're talking to the educated young people. Oh, okay. So like those, if workshopping stuff there would work. But mm, Cold Town. It's fairly educated it. audiences here. Yeah. Um, there's there's a handful of places, but there's a lot of. I mean, I I don't like making cliche jokes about Texas education, but <laughs> it, there's the truth. There's the truth. There's the truth there. Yeah. I think I feel like you're also you should experiment more with just being unapologetic about it. Like, don't yeah. worry about it. Just do it and see what happens. Because I mean, you haven't you, you ever just many... use a two dollar word and and you just watch the whole People's thing fall apart? People's glaze over. Yeah, or just the punchline doesn't work because I like Jared McCorkle. You know, he uh-huh. would often have wor- vocab words that I would just jot down little notes to look up to, later. No, to be like Jared, you can't use that word here. Uh, I, see, I don't think that's true. I I'm the opposite of like I'm I I think you're right. I shouldn't say I don't think that that's 100 percent accurate. Mm-hmm. I think that there because you, you do want to write so that a majority of people will get it, but you're also building your own audience, and so true. holding yourself back from that's true. Experiment with that stuff hurts. Yeah, you're right. I should, uh, I should, I should have faith in myself and the audiences more. But I also don't. Yeah, I was gonna say I've seen enough of your sets to know you could easily do a show at the back door if you really wanted to. But you might be bored by it. Yeah, <laughs> like it yeah. wouldn't feel challenging to you. Yeah, that's that's yeah. But I should. I've heard only good things about the people who run that place and everything. Yeah, they're wonderful. Um, they're good people. Okay, well, so. You started doing open mics in Dallas, mm-hmm. and at what point do you start getting work at some of the clubs? Um, I actually didn't get oh. work at the clubs in Dallas. I was probably, that's, well, I mean, how can I? So I got a pretty early pass onto the back door, like out of the group that started with me. Mm-hmm. Um, we got me and my buddy Anthony Perez, who like within his first month, I think he got a pass, and it took me like three months to get mm-hmm. put on the weekend shows there. So technically that's work, but you don't get paid. Right. Uh, but you do get to perform in front of real audiences, so that was good. And then from there, I would say I was two and a half years in when the improv offered me an opportunity where they were like, they did this big showcase show. Mm-hmm. And that was right around when I moved to Austin. So they were like, yeah, you know, get in contact with us. We, we'd, love to, we'd like to have you open and see how you do. How did they know about you? Um, uh, just from being around in the scene. Okay. Yeah. And going to their... I th- I don't remember if it mic. was a mic or a showcase. Okay. At that point, I think it was just a showcase. But yeah, you, you sort of like we. It wasn't. I don't know if this is accurate to say because this is all I have experience with. But it was it was very similar to a community word of mouth where people are like, yeah, you also should check out this person. Gotcha, gotcha. <clears throat> um, so you did that, and then you said you moved to Austin right after that. Yeah. Um, so this is, we're still not sure exactly about the timeline. So 2000. Okay. I can tell you actually, okay. this is, uh, cause it was a 2007 that I moved to Austin. So, and I was only two and a half to three years in. So maybe it was 2014 that I started. You mean 2004? 2004. Yeah. Sorry. 2004. 
So you, I think, thirteen years is our official yeah, official ruling. answer. Okay, so you it's moved very to Austin. Detective esque. Are you going to put a murder on me at the end of this? Is that what this is going? You know, we have a lot of. <laughs> Sorry, I've been listening to a serial, and now <laughs> it's like it's on my. my is there a third brain. season? Or are you just catching up? I'm catching up. I hadn't oh. heard any of it. Oh. I watched or listened to season what one. What do you think? Add on guilty, innocent. Uh, I genuinely don't know. By the end of it, I don't. I don't think he's guilty, but there's. And that's what's interesting about this series is that she's really good about trying not to put her opinion into mm-hmm. it, even though she's gotten emotionally invested. Um, Didn't she want her to more at the end? A little bit. I, I feel like I feel her answer was very. Because do you want to talk about this? Because I would love to talk. I just I know wanted a quick about this. guilty, not guilty, but okay. um, I'm I'm going to say that uh, it is. I don't believe he's guilty, but I cannot say for certain. Sure. Because think, you know what? His friend was definitely involved. Oh yeah, Jay, one hundred percent. Jay was clearly involved. One hundred percent. Whatever else was happening. And you know what the sticking point? Because there's some points in it where she's asking these questions, and I'm like, obviously they separated these episodes intentionally mm-hmm. because uh, first episode I was like, well, what right. about this? Right. Totally. Why are you not asking this question? Totally. Let's start our own serial yeah. podcast and ask totally the questions should. in the proper order. All right. <laughs> um, so you moved to Austin in 2007. What was that move like? Uh, it was interesting i didn't know anybody down here mm-hmm. and i was here for a job it wasn't about comedy mm-hmm. i got a really i had um one really good friend from high school who mm-hmm. had moved down here for school and then he got a job uh with a company called blue coat mm-hmm. and it got me a job with them or he had just recommended me for a job because i was like yeah i'd love to come down to austin and then i didn't know anyone so i spent a lot of time in my apartment just hanging out gotcha so yeah. but do you jump into the comedy scene right away yeah, there was very, barely a comedy scene there. Right. Then. Valve and Cap were doing their stuff. Yeah, it was a Velvet Room Did you have on Cold Thursdays. Cold Town had just started when yes, we were down here. So it'd be probably been like, um, I want to say two or three months of shows they had started doing. Gotcha. They had just been like, you know what? There's also a stand up scene here. So we'll do a show on Friday nights. Gotcha. So um, you started going, though, to the open mics? Yeah, I started going to the Valve open mic, uh, which was brutal back mm, then. I've and heard. then. Uh, I couldn't, I, I, I think I found out about Coltown probably three weeks into being here or two weeks into being here. Mm-hmm. And then the cap open mic, which was on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some of it was good because there wasn't, I don't, okay, so my perspective on it is different. I don't know how, what it is, what's it like for you now? How do you feel about the open mic scene here? The open mic scene? Yeah, like the number of comics. The number of comics? Mm-hmm. Um well, uh, how to feel about the number of comics. I mean, I, I like the scene to be growing, and yeah. so I'm always happy for there to be more comics. Honestly, I don't mind how many comics there ever are mm-hmm. as long as the people because because we continue to to create more shows and mics like i think i think we can sustain a lot um what i am frustrated with is people who hang around who aren't getting better and who seem to think that they're going to make it or should be on all these shows like if you're doing this as a hobby that's fine but then like make sure not to take up too much space from people but like if you're if you've been doing this for several years and you're not good and you think th- like it's frustrating because then if they're around long enough, people feel like they need to book them on their shows and all this right. kind of stuff. That's the only thing that annoys me about people. There being too many people, new comics, like let them, let them go to open mics and, um, yeah, absolutely. You know, I don't know. I don't know why, like, what do you mean? Oh, my only question, cause I, when I moved here, I didn't feel like there were a lot of open mic, like a oh. lot of comics. Um, there was a core group that I would see out at these shows, mm-hmm. like a group of, I would say maybe, 15 to 20 people who I felt like were actively 
uh, trying to do stand up. So many now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then uh, that's that's the comparative. I actually felt that it was easier. The Velve was probably the only place where you saw that number swell. Mm-hmm. Where I would see, like I said, the same 15 people show up to these mics. And then at the Velve, there would be 30 people. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, where are the re- where were you the rest of the week? Right. Um, but of course, there was only the three mics. And then at the same time, the Austin Comedy train wreck was starting to get going. What's that? Uh, that was sort of like a, it was like a, like an mm. alternative type comedy uh, effort is the best way to put it. It was run by Norman Wilkerson and a mm. guy named Avi Hartman, or I think his last name is Hart. I'm going to feel bad off if Avi hears this and is like, seriously? Okay. But they were buddies and Norm, of course, I think you know of Norm. Yeah. Yeah, doesn't I've come out as much as he used to. Mm-hmm. But Norm was one of those guys who was like, yeah, there's no reason why we only have these three mics. Let's put on our own shows. And yeah. he was the first one to sort of, him and Avi, like got a bar and put together a show. And it became like a bi-weekly or a monthly. Oh, and okay. so they got another so show. So we really have them to thank for the explosion. Yeah, absolutely. Of like, uh, oh, we can just do a DIY scene. In, so, in some respect, absolutely. They, wow. they brought that mentality here of like, why are you guys awesome. sitting around? And there was other little pockets here and there of like someone would put on a random show right. and then it would just never happen again. But I was new, so I didn't know any of those people. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, that was actually, that was probably like two or three months me moving it, moving here because I re- I didn't know Norm, but I had met him. Anyway, I know I'm getting Was it easy to make friends with the scene being so small? Was it easy to make friends after a while and to get on at the Velve and Cap and no, stuff? No, God, no. Yeah? <laughs> no. Brutal? It was. It's always difficult. With comics, it is difficult. I feel like anyone who thinks that they should just be able to show up to a scene and have people like them is sorely misguided. That's not mm-hmm. how it's going to work. And I, for me, it was not as, as hard because I'd already been through that in Dallas where like mm-hmm. my first year, I they made it very clear that I, that's one of the lucky things I feel like about being in Dallas because the guys I was around in Dallas were not shy about just being up front and being like, yeah, you need to slow down. This mm-hmm. is not a path to fame. We're mm-hmm. here because we like making people laugh and as and we want to get as good as that at it as we can. Yeah. Um, so if you have other goals, that's not going to happen for you. We're, we're just not going to be shy about telling you that. Yeah. So it, it wasn't like I, the guys who are really good friends of mine now, um, the first probably year and a half that I was in Dallas, in Dallas stand-up or doing stand-up in Dallas, they barely talked to me. Gotcha. So how long did it take in Austin before you felt like, hey, I'm friends with people now? Probably the same amount of time. About a year and a half. half. Interesting. Um, Okay. And, well, it's hard to figure. You've got got so many 13 years under your belt. Yeah. Let's figure this out. Do you have a day job? Um, Sort of. I, right now I do like contract work. Okay. Like contract IT work. So sometimes I'll get hit up to fix something for somebody or. Is it kind of like. Change their website. Is there an average amount of hours a week you work? No, I mean it's very it's bare minimum. It's like I would say if I was to guess at an average, I'd work a month, mm-hmm. like fifteen hours. Okay, so you do mostly make your living off comedy. Yeah, and if you can call it that, I'm not trying to put on any airs. No, no. So, but what let's I mean talk is, about I it. go hungry. If you doing yes. okay, but if you can break it down for us, like how how much do you mind talking about finances? I mean, not with you personally. I mean, on this podcast. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. Well, you don't have to give me the exact numbers if you don't want, but like, could you give me a percentage of like how much you make? See, this, is a, club this is a part or? of me that's amused by this. Like, I, want, I have no problem being honest mm-hmm. with you one-on-one, but if it's going to put it out in the world, I, there's, I, I have, it's one more funny to me to just be like, yeah, you have no idea, I'm killing it. I'm private jet at all. Well, I place. think but that's what's interesting <laughs> to me. I think that like we like and maybe we should uh, can, uh create this air of mystique yeah. there's so many people who uh, like would talk to me about gigs i do and they they 
it becomes clear think that I made a bunch of money and right. I either made nothing or 20 bucks or something like that yeah, yeah. Um, and there's so much where they're like oh yeah you're killing and, and you I do feel like you have to present to people to some extent this glossed version of your life this Instagram version of your life it seems to work for a lot of people to right. present you have to act like you're killing it and then people are gonna be like oh yeah this guy's killing it let's continue to give him good <laughs> right. things and it's kind of fucked up I've actually it, had this conversation with people because I'm nev- I've never been good at that I disgusting. don't it, I, yeah exactly I find it really repulsive I feel like it should be repulsive to like people who are trying to speak truth in a funny way and every, yeah. and, and here we have to like play that game fake this it's image. almost like it's almost like being a rapper now where yeah. you gotta be like I'm killing it check it out check out my car my ride like it's just insane yeah but that I'm does sleeping seem on this pile of cash well, maybe I'll start doing that actually <laughs> I'll just deposit my or cash out my next check yeah in dollar bills throw it on a bed and be like I'm killing it guys who wants a soda yeah I can buy this next round of sodas on me. I got all the singles, dollar bills. Um, Okay, well, so we don't have to talk about the specifics. Uh, Bob's killing it meagerly, and (laughs) I mean, mean, I'm impressed that you're eking out a living. Oh yeah, thanks. Doing comedy, that's there's a tiny percentage of people doing that. I'm doing it very poorly. That's the other thing. If you, if anyone's wanted wanted to know this, there are people who I feel like that's why I feel obligated to say up front. Like Mm -hmm. I'm one, I am one of those people who doesn't like to misrepresent what's going on, and Mm -hmm. I don't like to to i guess pretend that there's something yeah i'm not that guy Mm -hmm. um but there are guys who are genuinely successful doing this or were and they have strategies that i don't employ gotcha um that are specifically the reason why i should probably struggle more than i would can you give me an example of a strategy that you don't want to employ yeah certainly actually i was thinking about this the other day and it's uh specifically like um, how philosophical do you want to get into this? Because I, I was thinking about this as a as a bit, but I don't think it's a bit. It's more like a monologue. Okay. Because uh, in every community, I, I, was, I was watching The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Sorry, right there. Okay. And and you realize that in every community there is there if you are a part of that community mm-hmm. or are new to it, they'll teach you the survival tactics. Mm-hmm. And in comedy, is no different. There are survival tactics to being a comedian, um, but some of them because of my early experiences I don't find appealing like selling products at a show that's yeah. the big thing mm-hmm. um, some people have t-shirts some people have albums some people have stickers I've never never found the idea of hawking stuff at a show appealing right there's no judgment in my heart for the people that do it it doesn't feel good it doesn't um, but the guys that do it I'm also not judging them there's right. a group that is like no it's gross but I judge I judge someone who has terrible products. Right. Like, oh, you just put a crappy hack slogan on a t shirt right. and and now you expect people to give you twenty bucks for it? Get out of here. I mean probably though they just won't and then they'll learn their lesson. Yeah, no, right. it works. I mean that's right. <laughs> like anything, there are people that still make a living off. <laughs> but yeah, that's part of it is you need to if you were if you want to be a comic uh that sort of does it at the my level or even a little bit higher than my level. You have to have something to sell mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, you're most of the time the gigs that you go out to do, you're breaking even. Right. So the product sale is the only reason why you're you're making uh, income. Right. Um, but you've never sold anything, or have you no, tried? I've never sold anything. Um, what about like a little plush doll that looked like you? I think that would be well. <laughs> you could find actually, it. that would be kind of funny. Little, there's like I a lot of seamstresses I, that are actually quite yeah. good at making little things like that. That'd be funny. Um, so you could just work with a person and <laughs> give, give her half the... That would be funny. I only I've say been told her, not like because a, it's uh, being heteronormative oh, um, yeah. or gender normative, just because I have a friend who actually sews cute little things. That also, we don't know picture. what the seamstress gender they Seamster. might identify by. 
Well, yeah, I'm just saying that's why. I, the only reason I said her is because I was thinking my, my friend Gabby, who I think could Does make that. a very cute little Bob doll. I mean, I'll down. Give me her info. Okay. I don't know if she'd have the patience or energy to make enough for me also to sell she lives in boston so now we gotta oh. ship them too but I, you know do you ever go to boston for uh, no i haven't mm-hmm. been a long time start putting on your route and then you can pick up a box of them and then okay maybe she can just make me one how much would it cost for me to just have one for me mm-hmm. i go to bed at night with my own face guys i'm gonna um, cuddle with me i you, i like what you're doing with your hair i think it would make a cute doll right now oh thanks so okay you're making a living um are there goals that you have right now like short term goals long-term goals um or would you be are you cool with the rest of your life eking out a living or do you have a plan yeah i have a small plan i have i have have some goals but i have to be honest with you a lot of this changed for me Mm -hmm. a lot of it changed over the last two years because i you know i went through a little weird thing after making that album that i decided i didn't like uh where i realized that honestly the thing that's been the most fun for me is just, I love entertaining people. I genuinely love making people laugh. Mm-hmm. And so if I can get better at that, that's all I really care about. Okay. Uh, I would like to not be broke, horrifically broke. Yeah. Because I went through a period where that was the case. Yeah. And being hungry is the absolute worst. I can warn anyone who's listening. I feel like it's, if there's anyone considering doing comedy, don't. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a path to if success. This, if this podcast has taught anything, it's like you probably just shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Or, I mean, you should have fun with it, though. You know, right. enjoy yourself. Remember what it's about. If you're in it for the fame and the fortune, that's not me. That's yeah. never been me. So I'm the wrong resource to come to for that. And I'm going to tell you that if, you, if that's what you're after, the people that probably can give you the best advice, not going to be people that you're going to want to hang out with. Sure. So, um, yeah, for me, goal wise, I just. I'd like to get the, an album put together. I have yeah. a goal for an album that I actually really like. And maybe the first album I end up putting out anyway, because there's a part of me that did it for one specific reason, and it was to capture that moment of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, from that angle, I do like it, because it does, it shows who I was two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know, we'll see. So Okay, so a new album, do you know who you would make it with? Uh, well, Stand Up Records owns Stand-up the first Records. album. So if it comes out, it'll be a stand-up records album. Okay. So there may be a stand-up records album in the future. Yeah. And then you could sell that at shows. Yeah. I'll totally Would Hawkins you sell your shows. album? I mean, that's not gross. Is there something? I don't know. Yeah. I should just say yes. What am I doing? I should be building my own mythology. Yeah. Listen, I'm a killer salesman. So already sold out albums. That's why it doesn't exist. We yeah. give them all away. <laughs> I would probably give them away. There's a part of me that feels <laughs> guilty charging people for things yeah well and giving them away might not be the worst idea anyway or you could do little giveaways if you want to get some twitter followers hey Hey, tweet at me you know what i mean just only as a giveaway thing but i mean that shit works or um if you want like do you have a newsletter uh sort of I have a, an email list that people an have signed list. up for. Right. Do you write emails ever when people yeah. come? So I think that that is a good way to get people to come to your shows mm-hmm. when you're, you know, and I've seen people do this where even it, they just put a, like an email sign up on every seat. On table. And, and table. And then they say, hey, if you write your name and email on this, we're going to put them all in a hat and then we're going to draw three names and those people are going to get free CDs. It doesn't take much. It could be a CD that's, that's already cool. available on Spotify. People yeah. will sign up, especially if they like the comic anyway, you know, they're having a good time. They'll sign up just to maybe get a free CD. That's pretty cool. And now you got all these people's emails and next time you're in that town or whatever, um, yeah, you just be like, hey, you liked it the last time. 
I mean, that's a great idea, actually. Oh, thanks. I should totally, totally do that. I'm the worst at self promotion. It surprised me that there are people that know who I am and show up to shows. <laughs> I'm like, how did you even hear about this? And they're like, oh, well, I subscribed. Well, you have a really um, stellar reputation all over Dallas. So, oh, how thanks. did you get to the point where um, you started to be able to work in those clubs and have those relationships? So, for Dallas specifically, what's funny is that once I left this, I left the scene before I actually got recognized as maybe someone that would open. Yeah. But I had friends there. I had friends there mm. who, you know, I kept in touch with. Like, people there are, were mentors and then became genuine friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, we kept in touch. And then as I sort of built my time in Austin, um, I reached out to the Dallas clubs. Mm-hmm. I was like, hey, I'm from there and I have family there. Can I, I can stay with them. Can I come up there and work? And then they gave me a chance. The hyenas in particular was like, yeah, I'll give you a try. So come I was going to ask about hyenas in particular, actually. Okay. So when you wanted to, to get work at hyenas, um, who were you emailing? Uh, the booker at the time. Do you, so, and this is like, because it's a, supposed to be like a general question. Uh-huh. If you are looking at a club, how do you, do you just go to the club's website and like find contact and then is there, a, is it say booker? Yeah, almost every time. So or then, just call the club. Yeah, but a lot of us don't like talking on the phone. Yeah, good. Um, don't call them then. <laughs> You're like, more work for me? <laughs> well, I've heard that people prefer emails mostly anyway. Except for no, it's not true. You really? They prefer calling? Yep. Oh, that's interesting. You're, you're talking about your generation. Well, I've just, I don't know. I've heard different things from different people, but like... Oh, I'm, so, I'm speaking from a place of like being... Uh, I'm speaking from being informed, not specifically yeah. about the club owners, but about... They've done studies about the fact that um, our generation, I technically qualify, oh. millennials don't oh, like Oh, to totally. We all hate talking yeah. on the phone. But I meant club owners because right. I... Well, there I would are very think, few club owners that qualify as, as our generation. Yeah, but I just meant specifically club owners for getting booked on their club. Mm-hmm. I would think... It would make sense to me like that they would like what, email... What's your listener base, by the way? Because I might be doing these club owners a disservice by telling 2,000 wannabe comics to call them. Oh, good point. Don't call... Well, well, but let's talk about that. Okay. So, when should you call to be... to try to get work at a club? When when do you want work at a club? Well, you were saying that some of these people maybe aren't ready. Some of the yeah. 2,000 open micers well, aren't Well, let's... Ready. If you want to have that conversation, when does anyone actually know that they're ready? Most people don't know that right. they're ready. Right? That's, that's really the issue is that there are plenty of people who think that they're ready and they're not. I mean, for me... I reached out to the hyenas because um, his info was just available mm-hmm. and I had people who knew him. So I sent him messages and he didn't respond to me for a long time. Okay. Um, and it wasn't, I didn't, that's the other thing, I wasn't aggressive about it. So I don't think I ever turned him off, but it was like, it was probably um, four messages over a year that mm-hmm. was like, hey, still out here, would be interested in coming. Yeah, I've heard something like keep a, keep a list and, you know, email a club you know, try not to do it more than once every like six months or something yeah. If you, to do the, hey, just, yeah, still available thing. In. Well, when, so when you're sending the email, are you sending a video? No. So you just send a message um, saying, hey, I'd love to work at your club sometime. Do you, were you giving dates? Yeah. Okay. So you're giving dates. Well, usually I feel like you, um, I'm going to be giving you the wrong info. I don't lead with that. If it's a new club, mm-hmm. or at least I didn't when I started. Mm-hmm. It's a new club that I have no contact with. Mm-hmm. I don't presume that they're going to want my info. Right. I just reach out like, hey, I'm a comedian and I'd like to come work at your club. Gotcha. What information would you like for me to, to consider it? Yeah. Um, and sometimes in those, if it's like early on, I will include a link to a video. Like, here's a clip of me 
performing. Okay, uh, right. This, this is what I'm saying. Yeah, cold yeah. emailing. You would send a link to a video. Yeah, and say that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and if would is that how you would still be now? Like if you were trying to get a, a work at a club that you'd never been to in some other state or something? Yeah, um, I would still call first. Call first. I'm a I'm a call first kind of guy. And you you may be right. There's some club owners who might get really annoyed by that. But for me, it's like I'm not just going to blind email you. I'm going to call you and say, "This is who I am. Can I send you an email?" So then that way they know you're reaching out. Okay. So walk me through how that phone call would go. Only because I have Aspergers and I really hate, <laughs> and I'm millennial, so it's like a double. Yeah, thing you've for got me. a lot of anxiety about this contact thing. I used to. Well, I mean, it's okay. I'm beginning to learn, and more young comics come up to me and ask you for advice. Is, it's stuff that spike, you don't understand. Yeah. You have to, you have to hold my hand and walk me through. Well, see, I have so no problem step. doing that for you, Ariel. I just there's a lot of people that I don't know that are probably gonna listen to this, and I'm indifferent to them right. beating up on club owners. Because okay. Yeah, it's it's a it's a standard phone call. How would you call and ask? Let's say you needed support for something. Okay. How would you call and ask? Let's say your cell phone broke. Oh, so so you're saying you call a support thing? Yeah. Um, well, usually they're like, "Hi, can I have your name?" And then they walk you through like a bunch of questions. So you okay start as a robot. It's not great. That's so not you great. call them like, "Hi, thanks for calling Sprint." Yeah. Um, what can I do for you today? Right. Yeah. Right. And then you go, "Hi, my name is Ariel Norman. I'm a customer. Right. And my phone mm-hmm. isn't working. Right." It's the exact same thing. You're right. When you call a club, the club owner thinks you're calling to buy to get business. So you call up and go, they'll say, thanks for calling whatever club. Right. Um, how can I help you? And then you'll go, I'm looking to talk to your booker. Okay. I'm looking to talk to your booker. Yeah. Who books your club? Can I talk to them? Is your manager available? Yeah. And don't, you don't have to be impolite. Yeah, of course. Um, just, yeah. That's it. Just ask to talk to the booker. And most of the times I'll say probably eight out of 10 times what will happen is they'll tell you no. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, sorry, our booker isn't available. You can't talk to them by the phone. And then you'll say, well, can, how can I reach out to them? And they'll give you an email address. Gotcha. Okay. But the one out of 10 times, you'll be talking to the booker. And then you just introduce yourself and yeah. say, hey, I'd love to come work. Blah, blah, blah. My name is Ariel Norman. I'm calling from, I'm a comic from Austin, Texas, and I'd like to come out to your club and work there sometime. Can gotcha. I send you a tape or something? Like, how do you usually book? Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. I mean, I know... I've, I, Can I, I tell you what the difference is here? Why I'm being hesitant about this? And I don't know yeah. why. Maybe we should have you edit that out. He's not even listening. <laughs> your multiple times of saying... <laughs> yeah. Quit multiple comedy saying, and don't I, call boogers. Because the thing is, I have no problem giving people advice. And I will give this advice to almost anyone who asks. But mm-hmm. at the same time, there is a part of me that if you... If an individual who I'm like, you're not ready, reaches out. Because there's a very important part of this that a lot of people don't know. And yeah. that's getting booked, not hard. Right. Getting booked a second time, that's when it's hard. Gotcha. Because if you can't kill that first time, that's the impression of you they have for the rest of time. Right. And so if you, there are people who think they're ready and they will jump the gun. And that's why a lot of times when you ask comics for advice, they hesitate. And it's not because they don't want you to succeed. It's that they can tell you're not ready. Right. And you're going to do yourself harm. You're going to do yourself harm. You wouldn't believe how many, you know, I've built a relationship with club owners, some of them. And you wouldn't believe how many of them will just shake their heads and go, this kid wouldn't leave me alone, booked him, and then he's tanking up there. And then you will never get booked there again. It doesn't matter what you do. Well, so I say we leave this in, and this is the thing. If you're not... I mean, there's some clear ways to know if you're an Austin comic, yeah. especially if you're in a if you're in any scene that's got a, is a vibrant scene with a lot of shows. Mm-hmm. If you're not consistently being booked on shows and and crushing, yeah, then then why would you tr- go try to get work somewhere where people are paying more? And it's very important to say 
That's it. I completely agree. If you're not getting booked regularly, I mean, do whatever you want. Why am I giving? You guys do whatever you want. I'm a big fan of all of you. Right, but you will ruin your relationship with clubs if you, you know. Maybe sometimes that's it. I keep I keep feeling this like older brother urge to protect everybody, and I forget that most people don't need that. Maybe they'll find it condescending. Do what you want. Reach out to them. If your career stalls because you weren't ready, fuck you. I don't care. There you go. See, there you go. That's the attitude you got to have. Um, this is people who are listening to this who are like me who need that step by step thing will get right. it. People who are listening and they're an idiot and they think that if. You, if you maybe you're an idiot and you think that you're ready yeah. well you're probably an idiot anyway true if you are that self-unaware um okay we can't help everyone we can't help these people bob so how did you get the night night show at cap city this is a show that you do on um wednesdays how much of the year are there, are there is there like it's a sporadic run? it's okay. uh it's random okay how did i get it yeah i was awesome and they asked me oh they asked you hey would you like yeah. to do a show yeah and you were like yeah can i do a storytelling show about yeah cool I mean, yeah, but I there's not some methodology or... to everything. No. Well, no, I, yeah, but that's what I'm always curious about. Did they ask you? Did you ask them? <laughs> yeah, that kind the of same thing. happened with uh, the show before, the mission at Cold Town. Mm-hmm. Um, I was friends with some of the people, producers at Cold Town, and I was in Cold Town, and they were talking about doing a storytelling show, and I was like, oh my God, you guys should totally do that. Storytelling is awesome, and mm-hmm. it's on its way up. Uh, let me know when that comes together. Mm-hmm. And then, they, then I got an email that was like, do you want to take care of this? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, yeah, sure, I would love to. Gotcha. All right. Well, that's awesome. And do you want to tell the listeners anything about it? Just for a About Night Night? Yeah. Yeah. So Night Night itself. So part of it, there is a motivation for both these things. First, the mission. The reason I called it the mission was because my goal was to give a, a place where people could tell more stories. Um, because I, I love the moth. I'm a yeah. big fan. Um, and also storytelling in general. I like storytelling comics. They're probably, aside from absurdists, my favorite. So mm-hmm. it's like absurdist comics are my number one. Gotcha. And then my number two is storytellers. Mm-hmm. And then I appreciate everybody else after that. But Thanks those two that. styles are my favorite kinds. So like yeah. I immediately, I'm drawn to those people. Like I get you. I understand the way your brain works. I want to hang out with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so my goal was also to just create a venue where more people that I, I loved, because I love the people here. I love people in Austin. I love the comics here. Had a place to go and experiment with storytelling. Yeah. Because one of the main things I hear from um, everybody, and when I go to open mics or you know, friends will come to shows is, you know how people could just give you a comment when we're talking to each other, like me telling you, I mm-hmm. love the fact that you can maintain a com- uh, an audience's um, attention and they enjoy you despite talking about probably the grossest thing you come up with. Yeah. That's a skill, right? Mm-hmm. So I can say that to you and people will say that to me like, man, I really like these long stories you tell. Yeah. I wish I could do that. And then my response would be, well, just do Try it. it yeah. And then they would go, I just don't have enough time. Yeah. Like, I've got about five minutes on stage. There's not time for me to tell a story. Yeah. And so that when they when Cold Town gave me the opportunity, that was the goal. Like, okay, let's create a space where you can just experiment with storytelling. Yeah. <clears throat> and we did that for like four years. Um, and then Cap was... Cap didn't ask me to do that show specifically. They were just like, hey, do you want to do a show? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I would love to do another storytelling show. And they, um, and the goal with this one was twofold. One, specifically, that it had to be funny stories. Yeah. Because that was not the goal with the mission. It was literally, you, you can could tell anything. anything. Mm-hmm. And then two was to create that space so that people could experiment and like work on a story and bring it back and do yeah. it again and tighten it. You know what I mean? Yeah. In front of an actual comedy club audience. Yeah. That's awesome. How's the show going? It's going really well. How long have you been really doing well. it at Cap? Um, I, I have a list somewhere. It's probably we've done like 
I'm going to say like seven or eight shows. Yeah. So it's been, you kind of did like mission for like four years. And now yeah. you've been every doing month for four comedy. years, the third Thursday was the yeah. mission. And I night, think night is that sporadic. the one time my parents have ever seen comedy, me do comedy was at the mission at Cold Town. Really? Are you yeah, serious? Because I, I know that it, they saw me at Cold Town doing mm-hmm. like my, my, the old set that I used to do about my divorce. And um, I think I did a version of it. For the storytelling for show? For the storytelling. Because um, I was still just, uh, you know, with lots of punchlines. I could be wrong that it was maybe, maybe I lo- got someone, whoever was doing Cold Town, live at Cold Town at the time to give me a long set. Cause, but I remember it was longer. So I feel like, but anyway, uh, my mom, I mean, I crushed it. And then my mom, <laughs> and people were coming up to me to be like, oh my God, blah, blah, blah. My mom was like, that was interesting. So Oh, that's funny. Only time, whatever, <laughs> whatever. Um, <laughs> she can just hug you and be like, I'm proud of you. Oh, a hug. It wouldn't have even occurred to me. Um, so, well, uh, good, good, good. Well, I, sorry. I don't, I hate when I have to rush through things. This yeah, is no, frustrating. Now I'm going to be got like, 15 minutes you got to pop back me on. for as much info as you can. 15 minutes. Go. What are you working on right now? Uh, my hairstyle. Next question. You've been doing great. Uh, well, that's a new question that I want to start uh, including, but it could be like a joke that you're working on or something like I'm working on um, riffing or I'm working on um, right. g- being able to call bookers without having a panic attack or whatever. Oh, fair. Mm-hmm. Like a personal goal? Be, well, related to whatever. comedy, but yes. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, if you hadn't said that, I would have been like, I just got a PS4 and I'm working my way through Tomb Raider. That sounds great too. <laughs> uh, no, um, I've, far, I've got a, I've got yeah, I'm working on on bringing together this new hour of material that I've been experimenting with. I have this very specific idea of a thing that I want to accomplish, and it's not the material itself. It's what's happening as you're listening to the material. Hmm. And I haven't, um, well, I would say I'm like one-tenth, I'm getting one-tenth of the exact response that I'm looking for. So I'm still working my way through that. Can you say any more about the experience that you're trying to create in the audience, or is it... I mean, I don't know. I don't Jinxy know how to describe it. I don't know if people are going to be weird. This is like by. a psychological phenomenon you're trying to induce in your audience over an hour. Yeah, I know it's weird. That sounds awesome. Well, when it goes really well, people are very pleased. And when it goes poorly, people are like, "I kind of, I don't know if I agreed with that thing." And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm sorry." Fair enough. <laughs> um, that and then and also this specifically, I did this thing that I wrote the week before FPIA, and then I did it at FPIA and. The first, uh, the prelim round, it, it went over very well, mm-hmm. like incredibly well when it was mm-hmm. raw and fresh. And then the semifinal round, it did, it did all right, but not the same because I had overworked it. Yeah, God, uh, I hate that. Um, yeah, so I'm, 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 I'm working on that too, but I'm not sure if the messaging there is what I actually want because, I think you know which bit I'm talking about. It's the one where I talk about um, the deer. Yeah, this starts with the deer thing, which I mm. added for the semifinal round to tie the whole thing together, mm. and, and it just got horribly. It went out to of a control. place. Um, that was a weird night. Yeah, I mean, I just went way over time. I, went, I was like, I added that thing, not considering that the like the pauses and the laughs were going to create this extra space that right. I wasn't ready for. So that, but I'm talking specifically the end of that bit where I'm where I'm playing a character. The idea oh, of the I character went after is. You. Yeah, and then did I had you? My horrible set. Oh, I'm so sorry, Earl. <laughs> yeah, I blame uh, you actually. Me, I, I killed don't... it. It's not my fault. <laughs> Let, you know what? Let's go back and watch tapes. We'll get our tapes from Dustin, <laughs> yeah. and we'll just put them right up next to each other uh-huh. and give each other notes. Let's see what happened. Um, yeah, that bit because I'm I love this kind. I'm, I'm working on I'm playing with this idea of being old and grumpy, even though I I'm technically not. 
but on the inside there's a part of me that like love i love the idea of someone who's kind of like not just i i've been told i'm irreverent and i'm taking playing with that and also exploring the idea that um okay i lost the word being a misanthrope Mm-hmm. Being an irreverent misanthrope. Yes. That's something that I love. I love the notion, even though it's not actually me. And so it's it's a conflict because I also want to be more honest about who I am. Yeah. But this is so funny to me. This idea yeah. of like playing a guy who's like, I'm just going to work against you guys now. Let's see what right. happens. Uh, and the audience responds to it. But at the afterwards, I'm like, you guys didn't know that I was joking? Or are they going to leave here thinking... Oh yeah, we gotta. We, we this gotta. Guy might shoot us. There are people the like this, not the shooting in the back, but like, yeah, you gotta. Because there's part of me also. It, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to talk around it so I don't ruin the bit, but it doesn't matter. It's about the voting and my frustration with the notion of people not voting for their interests right. and playing that game of like, I, you're, I'm getting to a point where if you don't join me in this journey and try to start trying to work make the world better, there will come a point because there's a lackadaisical attitude towards the world for some people and right. I'm not angry at those people those are my people I love them but at the same time there's I'm beginning to think listen if you if you guys don't show up to make the world better if you think you have time mm-hmm. like yeah I'm in my 20s fuck it I'll wait um, there will be a point at which I'm going to start working against you intentionally because right. I'll be old and I'm not going to let you have the things you kept from me right so that I want to play with that idea yes. just to see if the audience how they respond to it I, I, I hope you keep in <laughs> showing with that because it is a good idea. Uh, I do want people to be less complacent. And I, I just want to put out my own little PSA about voting because there's so many comics who make jokes about, I mean, so many usually bad comics, but even good, famous ones. S- jokes, fucking comics on every level. And, and it's insane that so many of them make the same joke, but it's basically about like how there's no point in voting. That yeah. that, base, that joke, eh, you vote <laughs> because it statistically doesn't matter or because whatever. And and the reality is, even if your vote doesn't matter in the sense of it's not going to pu- push Change an election over, um, they look at the demographic. They can't see your vote, but they look at the demographics of who votes and who doesn't, and then they do the things that they need to do to get reelected. So yeah. you see all the old people voting and all the wealthy people voting, all the whatever, all the people who make six figures voting, they're going to do... They're playing to that n- demographic. Not to mention all the lobbying and every, all that bullshit. Absolutely. But to even... I mean, there, there's so much that is wrong that, like you can't do anything about or that you you know but you can vote because they're going to look and see that your demographic whether whether or not we voted and the young the poor don't vote then why would the why would they do anything for us yeah. all they're trying why to do is they? get reelected most of them are disgusting evil people at this point i mean some politicians <laughs> no, even I the ones who got into it. it for good reasons become corrupted yeah. or or jaded we, or whatever if we step back back from it just I, I get what you're saying because it's there's almost a unspoken agreement that there's a sociopathy involved in yes. wanting to be in power right. and that sociopathy plays towards popular it's a popularity contest right and if you're not showing up to vote then you're not you're not a part of the group that has any power. That's right. our power. It's our, it's like spending the dollar. I completely agree with you. Yeah, just understand these are, think of them as sociopaths who are only going to act in their own self-interest to get reelected. Right. In that case, if you don't vote, they will see that your demographic doesn't vote and they will not do anything for you. Exactly. <sighs> okay, so, <laughs> what is the best advice anyone's ever given you related to comedy? Oh man, I got so much good, good, I, this is such, you, you hit me at such a good point because I just got some amazing advice. Really? Uh, yeah, from Billy D. Washington actually in Houston. We were working together in Dallas, and uh, after the show, we were just talking, and he said probably one of the most profound things any comic has ever said. Let me back up and say that there is one thing that you will get quite often, and it is an absolute truth, mm-hmm. which is when you hit up comics 
like, hey, what would you suggest? They'll be like, keep going up. Yes. Right? And a lot of people roll their eyes. And I've said this before. That is that is 100% some of the best advice you can ever get. Right. Because everything that you can gain from every growth or every insight, every bit, that you, everything that you can possibly actually accomplish comes directly from your experience on stage. Right. So that is they're, te- they're they're boiling it down like an hour's worth of right. of advice to that one line, but it's the truth. It all comes back to get up. Sure. Um, that and then Billy, we were hanging out in Dallas, um, and he said, "I'm trying to remember exactly how he worded it because it was so profound," and I was like, "Dude, you just kind of blew my mind." Um, specifically, he said, "Who are you talking to?" Mm. Who 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 specifically are you trying to talk to? Who are you trying to impress? That's what he said. Mm. Who are you trying to impress? And for me, that's that's very true. Sometimes, honestly, with comedy, my approach is just from a very young age. Because I mean, I was a silly kid, but I would just do or say anything that I knew was going to get a laugh. Right. And stand up is that his very specific statement was, "Who in the crowd are you trying to reach?" Yeah. Yeah. And then consider what you should be saying to reach them. Like if you're if you're a road comic who just wants to sell shirts, then yeah, do pithy jokes that fit on shirts. Right. And if you're a dude who wants to have a philosophical conversation with people, you should be talking about philosophical things. Who are you trying to impress? Yeah. Well, cuz you're also trying to build a fan base and an audience and things. Yeah. And so, yeah, and that's something people Every time some people say that kind of thing to me, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, totally. Like I should care more about those two people who could really become my fans than yeah. the you know 38 others who um, are going to laugh or not. But that's it. And especially now, and so yeah. one of the things like I, selling merch does suck. But when I realized, like when I started my Gender Fluids podcast, something I love about that is that I can just print out business cards for that and mm-hmm. give that and say, check out my podcast. That's now, eventually, cool. of course, we're going to be like Patreoning it up. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also, yeah, when you talk to, you know, what even if you have a bad set, sometimes people come up to you and be like oh my God, I love what you did. That was amazing. And that was crazy. Those other people weren't laughing and blah, blah, blah. And that person, like, oh, give me that person. And right. then be like, hey, check out my podcast. And I mean, and, and I see the, so there's a very valid truth in that. And also your, your job is to figure out how to talk about what you want to talk about, but also entertain the most number totally. of people, right? And if, if you're not experimenting at the beginning with what you want to talk about, you're never going to get there. True. Yeah. Word. Um, okay. What would you go back and tell yourself in your first couple of years, if you could? My first couple of years? Mm-hmm. A lot of things. Some of the things I can't say on this podcast. Specifically, I would say move sooner. Yeah. Yeah. We get that a lot. Move to Austin sooner from Dallas? Or what What do you mean? Because just move. Just move it. You mean just try it a different scene? Yeah. Gotcha. Get, out, get out more. Go see more. I've learned so much more traveling around and meeting people in different scenes and being like, oh, this is what you guys got going on here? This uh, is fascinating. Traveling, yes. <clears throat> so true. So true. There's maybe that, maybe so that's people. how I should say it. I would say get out on the road. Yes. Um, in any way, there's so, it's so easy now, too, to even um, even if you're not getting booked at clubs, you can still, if you're bookable, again, if you're not getting booked on shows in Austin, sometimes people will reach out to me, and how do I get a show in this city or that city? And I'm like, you're not getting booked in Austin. Why would you get booked in another? Can I, can I tell you something that, that's why that is so true, and I wish more people understood it? And I don't. I, I also feel weird because there's a part of me that knows there's people that are going to think we're beating up on them. And if you feel I that I assume feeling, those people don't realize we're talking about them. Well, hopefully. Or maybe they do, and good. Yeah, if you think that this is we're just bullying 
um, and you're thinking that we're talking about you, we might be. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm kidding. No, I was just kidding. No, I will say that I've had that exact conversation with bookers where I reached out to them and was like, hey, I'd like to start featuring. And they're like, you're not featuring in your own town. Why would I book you? Right. If you're not doing stuff where you live, why would I take that risk? I don't know you. Right. So, yeah, exactly. 100%. Um, Okay. Traveling, that's great. What would you uh, tell, if you're going to talk to first couple year open micers, what would you tell them to stop doing? Okay. Uh, Pick one. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, nothing irritates me more than when people pull out their cell phone. Don't do it. Yeah. Don't pull out your, your cell phone. This is a thing that started a couple of years ago. There's like a couple of comics in New York that did this really clever thing where they either read a text message or like played a voicemail and mm-hmm. then it just spread across the country where everyone's mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, I'll bring, it's a goddamn prop. You're, yeah. you're doing prop comedy. Don't yeah. pull out your cell phone. Yeah. And w- the other thing about it is like if you want, if, if you're doing the like write down your set list if you're bringing up your set list don't bring it up on your phone bring it up on a piece of paper right on a board napkin and also don't don't scroll oh yeah <laughs> like that's the worst like if you have and some stuff in there even that i'll be honest with you, i'll give you, i'll get I'll, I'll give people leeway let me mm-hmm. qualify that if you have your i agree with you write on a piece of paper or write on a bar napkin but i will let you have that like if you want to set your set list is on your phone fine but if you're reading me something off your off your phone yeah then i have a problem with you like that for me immediately is is one of those things where i'm like yeah we're just not going to be friends yeah. Uh, there are very specific comics that can pull that off and right. they're at a different level. That's not you. At an open mic, you should not be busting out your cell phone. It's rare for it to be good. Um, yeah, it is. It's very rare. I even think of, and I'll just put him out on blast like this, but Andrew Dismukes used to have a job, or a job, he used to have a joke about mm. where he read some tweets and he actually was using like an old cell phone that wasn't real and he wasn't even reading them. Oh, really? But still, I've always found that to be one of the weakest jokes that he had. And I, I mean, he yeah. has so many jokes that are amazing. He's one of my favorite comics. I actually don't ever. know about this bit. It was just, well, that's probably why. Like, And maybe he was doing it more at my, I'm at sure. At mics and stuff, but like it, experimenting with it? It was about people who, like, it, it was, it was he was reading people's tweets. Uh-huh. Um, but it, it was along that thing where there was that meme of, yeah, record something on your phone. And especially for people who have long recordings, it makes, it's an easy way to be like, oh, you didn't want to write 10 minutes of material. You <laughs> wanted to write four and play the six minute thing. <laughs> right. you know? Can I say for me specifically, the reason why I give open micers that, note is that a lot of people don't understand when you look down at your phone you are disconnected from the audience Mm -hmm. that is not only a your body language itself is defeatist but you are also no longer engaging them right so that's why like it irritates me because i don't care how clever the thing is you have on your phone the minute you look down the audience is gone well and i think that's part of why like andrew was doing this thing where he Mm -hmm wasn't reading it you know he would kind of glance at it yeah um but even that it does have this feeling of unless it's a killer bit it does have a feeling of it's just kind of distracting and kind of yeah disengaging okay yeah that's great stop your dumb phone bits um (laughs) if you could change one thing about the austin comedy scene what would it be about the austin comedy scene Mm -hmm. um less podcasts Hey now! I'm just kidding. <laughs> I couldn't resist. <laughs> no, uh, I actually I really like the Austin Comedy Scene. I'm pretty. I'm always happy to be here. Um, I don't. I don't. I mean, I guarantee after this, I'm going to know. If I'd known this was going to be one of the questions, I would have come prepared. Well, like, well, let me tell you listens. about these goddamn glasses everyone has decided to wear. No, um, stop wearing glasses. Yeah, okay. take off your glasses. No, I actually really think 
there's some people with glasses that I'm like, that so sells exactly who you are the minute you hit the stage. Like Avery, oh my God, she yes. can do nothing wrong in my opinion. She cracks me up. Yeah, just with those glasses. <laughs> just the minute she gets up <laughs> there. I mean, everything about her, she just I know has got such a, she just is that person so clearly. Um, if I could change one thing about the Austin comedy community, it would be probably to take it easier. Like, you know how people say, we take I think sometimes we take comedy way too seriously hmm. and you shouldn't it's comedy why are you why are you upset why are you getting angry what's all this infighting that happens why what's the point what does it fix yeah too much infighting I would say don't take it easy in terms of hard work promoting your shows <laughs> no yeah not, not that I meant things. I meant about the specifically about feeling like you're being cheated or robbed or ah. Uh. That sort of stuff. Take it easy, man. You'll get what you're supposed to get when you get oh, it. Oh, I forgot one question I wanted to ask you real quick about night night and sure. and generally like when you when you book shows, um, how do you determine who to ask to be on your show? Uh, it's twofold. First, uh, it's people that I. Um, do you have a spreadsheet? I'll start <clears> there. No. Okay, so you do you don't really even keep track. You could um, look it I up do. if you wanted. I to. have okay. in my um, on my ah. phone of all places. Yeah, no, I have uh, notes, the note app on my laptop, and okay. then if I type in night night, it'll list every single date, and I can see who's performed the last couple. Okay, that's essentially um, a spreadsheet. Yeah, okay. but for me, it's it's I'm trying to bring people back to so they can experiment with their stories again. Mm. Uh, hopefully, having tightened it up, um, but part of it is I want to ask people i a like and b are already showing signs of being storytellers because mm -hmm. I, I i hate there's people that i've asked that i know i've done them a disservice because they don't want to say no and then it's but it's way outside of anything they want to do and then um it just it, it creates a tension that's unfair like i i feel bad for stressing someone like i will never ask someone who is well, that's not true. I try to not ask people who are like a one-liner or yeah. like a, a very silly, um, yeah, absurdist yeah. type person to tell stories because I know that's not what they're looking to do. Right. But if they come to me and they're like, yeah, I'm interested, then I'll ask them to work on something and send it to me. Because it's easy for me to book someone who's already a storyteller. Like Avery is an absurdist, right? This, okay. She's a good example. Um, and it's, even though she is an absurdist, her she tells these long hilarious right. stories that are silly so it's easy for me to book her because i she's a storyteller right um that's sort of what i look for is who's already showing signs that they want to do that gotcha gotcha cool um all right and how do you feel about people reaching out to you about being on the show uh don't do it excellent that's all i want to <laughs> i'm kidding no <laughs> yeah. way let me qualify that yeah you can reach out if we're already friends you feel free to reach out to me if you don't know me don't message me yeah well that makes sense come up and talk to me first let me get to know who you are this is the same tactic that i told you as far as getting booked in general reach right. out to me first if you just blind message me and i don't know you at all mm -hmm. I, you're not hearing back from me yeah word um and let's do endorsements cool. so we we do comedy endorsements i was trying to steer it toward do we hit it we hit five we nailed it. Are we done? Yeah, it's like 502. We're going to do this. This is the fastest We're going to get out here in five here. more minutes. Cool. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to, I've been trying to steer it toward uh, endorsing a particular comedian. Okay. Um, although this time I'm going to cheat a little bit just because I finally got an HBO password hookup. <laughs> and so I've been, I've been able to finally start watching Crashing. And I'm only like four Wait, or five Wait, what do you mean by a specific uh, comedian? What are you talking about? Oh, like endorsing a comic that you really like. Oh, okay. people should check out. 
Oh, okay. Well, I feel like I mentioned Avery like a couple times. So yeah, check out Avery Moore. Well, I want you to pick someone that... Um, what, are you going to take Avery Moore away from me? No, you definitely <laughs> should check out Avery Moore. You know, uh, go to her shows live. People who live in Austin, people who don't live in Austin, totally... Um, check her out. Totally. There's all kinds of great stuff on YouTube, um, an assortment of things. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. You know what? But did you want we something have, else? We have I'm listeners sorry. who aren't in Austin. Well, I just usually not Austin comics would be Oh, my someone outside of preference. Austin? Mm-hmm. Um, well, who, who do I need to know them personally? No. Okay. It could what, just be someone you're a fan of or anything. Oh, someone that I like actually enjoy. Yeah. Oh man, there's so many. Yeah, just maybe who's your who's your favorite like not insanely famous comic right now? Tommy Jonigan. Tommy Jonigan. Yeah, you know what? I still haven't checked him out. So you good. should. He's fantastic. I will. This is mostly for me because I'm trying to find people. More that, people. You know, that's yeah. how I should qualify. That's why. I, that's why I'm <laughs> saying like, okay, move on from Avery because I already get to listen to Avery all the time. Thank yeah, God. Fair. But um, I'm trying to like add stuff to my Spotify playlist. Okay. Um, yeah. I've been curating. I mean, John Mulaney's also top of my list, but he's famous. Right. So. Like I already know about him. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, and I've heard of Tommy John again, but I don't think okay. I've ever listened to him yet. So now I will. And yeah, my endorsement is just like steal someone's HBO password and listen and watch that crashing show. Which I one's saw, crashing? Is that one with the one uh, with Pete Holmes? Oh, really? It's it's so good. It really? I love it. Okay. I, I I just I love stuff like I mean, and I know people have lots of opinions about whether or not Pete Holmes is a good guy or they like him. I know people <laughs> have that. Same people have that about T.J. Miller and people. People have yeah. that about every fucking comic, and it's crazy. Every time I feel, every time I'm starting to endorse something that is popular, there's just there's always this backlash. Well, that guy sucks, or he didn't help this or not. And I'm like, yeah. I don't know. I don't care about that in that for this. I just really think the show is worth thing. watching, um, especially for newer comics. Right uh, and if you like this podcast, you would definitely like the show Crashing. I mean, it's about a new comic trying to find his way through the industry. Well, and I mean, even just through life and through through all of it. But oh, yeah. okay. I've yeah. seen like one or two teaser trailers. I didn't really actually know what it was about. So this and is interesting. I'll check y- it out. Yeah, I mean, check it out. If you don't like it, you don't like it. I'll Pete Holmes' facial, facial expressions are a little over the top. And I keep wondering. Oh, yeah. I only met him once for like a minute. Um, so I keep wondering like, is that is he that facially expressive in real life? It's like... He, um, little, I worked with him yeah. when he came to Austin. And... Yes and no. He's no. It's not. It's not that crazy. Okay. I mean, in one-on-one conversation, I would hope not. Who would ever talk to the man if it was right. that insane? <laughs> but like, I think if he's in like a that? group at all, it is a little. Oh, okay. In yeah. in performer kind of mode, yeah. it's like very. It's definitely a part of his personality to gotcha. be a little. <laughs> yeah. Well, big. I think it works too because it is a TV show. It doesn't. It and it's not presenting it because it's a comedy too. Things get to be a little bit over the top and everything. Yeah. Um, but <clears throat> I I just yeah I can't recommend it highly enough. Sweet, I'll take it. Oh, can we give a shout out to Ethan, who I love? But yeah. every time I see him, we ha- we have a we have a little rivalry going, oh. hair wise. That's why I started growing it out. Uh, oh, you're trying to get longer than Ethan. <laughs> I mean, it's going to take me like twelve you're years. Trying to get curly too. <laughs> no. <laughs> Start curling it on the ends. <laughs> Absolutely, great uh, to see you, Ethan. That's really why I'm here. Is yeah. to hang out with Ariel and stare at the back. Yeah, of your we head. endorse Ethan <laughs> and his hair. <laughs> thanks Bob thank you Ariel thanks for having me I'm glad well, we finally got I to do this I hope we have you on again and I'll ask yeah. you like less rushed questions sure I feel like this is what you did last time too but I had to leave you ha- exactly you had to leave so immediately you were like alright tell me about how you did this thing and also how do you make it how, how do you prefer your BLTs and I was like I crispy and I'm going to listen back to this and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write down all the real questions that I have for you okay um, thanks bye yeah. bye everybody bye Ariel Norman bye
Okay. Um, hey, we were, forgot to record endorsements at, at the end. What? Cool. Time isn't real. So uh, <laughs> We didn't rush through this. All, I wanna, I, all I'm going to bother, I'm, I'm going to stop saying all my shows. It's probably annoying, actually. So No, it um, isn't. That's the whole point. Why? Do your thing. No, because I feel like, you know, I was listening to famous comics at their podcast and they're just like, I'll be in Chicago and then I'll be in whatever. And I'm like, why am I sit there and tell all my little shows? What if you got listeners who aren't in Austin? So right. I'm just going to highlight like one thing, uh, one or two things every time. Um, okay. So number one, if you haven't checked out my Gender Fluids podcast and you're interested in gender or fluids, parentheses, sexual, um, you should check it out. It's pretty great. Unless you're like uh, kind of um, easily offended <laughs> or grossed out. Then don't at all. Don't, please, please don't listen. Um, and uh, then the other thing I want to say is that my off script show, which has been first Thursdays at 930 at the New Movement, is now moving to uh, first Fridays at nine and so december 8th will be the first that's a change and i actually haven't told all the people who are booked on it yet because that just happened um so i will do that Th- you know i'll have told them by the time Hopefully. this comes out but anyway so um, <laughs> am i supposed to weigh in on these i'm so sorry you're gonna you're gonna go next oh, okay. you can weigh in so december 9th at 9 p.m at new movement come see off script um we have free pizza and drinks and there's prizes for the best hecklers and yes comics are allowed to win um those prizes if they are the best hecklers i love it that show is awesome so much fun i have some killer photos for you from when i got to do off script by the way send me any photos that you took of the show would be awesome sure i will totally send them your way um am i supposed to promote stuff now you're on anything you want to promote this is coming out on thursday so anything that happens Thursday or hints is hints the right word I probably shouldn't say it. I don't know there's a couple of shows that I'm okay so I'm going to just talk about the two shows that I'm allowed to mention uh, I'm doing Spike Club for yes. the Mario DiGiorgio roast on December 7th so where excited. we will be saying farewell to Mario DiGiorgio and I will be doing nothing but jokes about how he is a meatball <laughs> and then December 15th I'll be in Houston at the secret group awesome well, yeah it's gonna be really fun so if you're in Houston or in Austin come see me otherwise look for me in, uh, next year in across the country in, in your prayers in your prayers okay. pray for me cool enjoy the episode thanks everybody national.